or just, boy, I just, oh, this is going to be, and it just didn't turn out the way you wanted. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11, and then also 17, it says this, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Verse 17 says, therefore, I hated my... Or I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. It's interesting as we look at that, we start looking, and I guess I noticed the phrase under the sun, but you know, we set ourselves up sometimes. We raise the bar, and there's nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with having expectations. I think you need to. <laughs> sometimes, you know, maybe we, we set them too high. <clears throat> I think that's just one of those items where you have to, God, what do you want? Because I need God involved, and when God's involved, it's much times way bigger than it'd ever be with me. If it's just me, you know what I'm saying? I need him to accomplish whatever he'd have. So we can set things, but um, have you ever had yourself where you said, I, I believe it's going to happen this way, and it happened completely different than the way that you thought? Maybe God had moved in a different way, and it happened differently, and so, you know, it was just like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Now, I've got five kids. We've had five totals, not because I like kids as much as I like my wife. <clears throat> just saying. But I, uh, I love my children. My, my children and I love each other. My wife and I love each other, and we love our children. We, we're not ashamed about that. Anybody that knows me knows that my favorite time of year is Christmas. I, I love Christmas. I have Christmas music playing most all the year at different times. Um, but I like to build up excitement. I guess I get that somewhat from my parents, my parents would call. And although the gifts would be we would laugh at for years to come in, in a good way, but they would be, you know, that my dad's, oh, wait, do you, wait do you see what we got you for Christmas? Oh, I just can't wait. And he'll call me like, just before 11 o'clock or something, just wanted to tell you, just looked at your present. I got to go to bed. Good night. <laughs> What's up with that? You know, that kind of stuff. And so I like to build up excitement. And, you know, you, if you're a parent, it's great to watch your kids open the present that, you know, they wanted or you feel they wanted and you build up that. And, and uh, so, now this wasn't exactly for Christmas, but one, you know, one birthday, Zach, we're just, oh, you know, we would save the present, the big one for the last, but we gave him a, present and he was so i just couldn't wait to see him open i wanted to see his face and and uh he took the present out and just started looking and marveling at the box and he was just like this is a cool box the present was just tossed to the side and like oh it's it's but zach okay you know but um it's all good because you know sometimes we are like ah we want this and and it, and it changes in the way that we want it you ever like, I mean, for you, do you like watching your kids at Christmas open gifts? I, I love that. Kim loves that. And we, you know, they'll start to open one. No, 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 not that one yet. Open this one first. There's nothing like watching your kids open up a gift. And, you know, I, I grew up, my parents got us good things. But um, I was in the, the day when we don't do this for our kids. No kid wants underwear for Christmas gifts. I'm just saying. I don't want to get socks. And underwear for Christmas. Get that for me anytime. You know, so we don't want to, you know, like Ralphie and Randy, what's next? Just toss it over your shoulder. 
So, you know, sometimes when you're, you get something for your children, you want them to really enjoy it. And if, if they don't seem excited or, or, you know, they just didn't seem to care, you almost want to like, you're killing me, Smalls. Don't you love? That's great. That's a great gift. That's real life, isn't it? I mean, sometimes it just doesn't happen the way we think. You know, you want to say, <laughs> tell your children, hey, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> Sound like Bill Cosby. Or just like Doritos, we'll make more. I'm saying. (laughs) My wife knows me, though. She says, you know, sometimes you buy gifts that you know that they'll like, but it's really because you like it. Like, listen to all you people. That's right. She said, you like to play with the gifts. And, and, and she's right. You know, we do. We like to play with them. And, and you know, I'd get my, my kids some gifts and be like, you can't play with the Here, you got to play with that. Not enough room here. Don't play with it in here. This is really cool. Keep it up. Only play with it from certain times. <laughs> Tell them all of those kind of things. And five seconds later, it's broke. Sam had got a helicopter one year. And it was so great. I mean, this helicopter was really cool. And, and it broke almost right away. Like on the first flight and crash, the propeller broke on it. I felt so bad for him. I don't remember if it was me that was flying it, though. But <laughs> not sure. Might have been Sam. I don't know. But here's my point. You know, uh, here's the deal. People go through life giving themselves every desire. You know, we want this. We want that. And, and, and we want, and that's got to be this. And. And TV and movies portray a lot of things that really aren't real all the time. Or everything in a sitcom can get fixed in 30 minutes or less. So the deal is, you know, there's things out there that, that just we, we try as a culture in our humanness to satisfy all of our needs. Sometimes we get stuff, just things. I need to buy this, the next new gadget, the next new, you know, before your phone is even really up with your contract they already got a new model out you know that so you know i gotta have the new thing i gotta have the new whatever i gotta have this i gotta have that you know when i was growing up we had the you know star trek just before star wars how many trekkies are in the house okay hmm, there we go but what i'm saying is you know the communicator beep, beep, beep. did you know that was one of the big things that started the flip phone and the cell phone you know, if you think about it, I mean, so, you know, we grew up in different eras, but there's all of this stuff that's just we have to have. People try a lot of things that would make them happy, but they still come up empty. It's not what they thought. You know, their, their happiness is short-lived. Maybe you're like our text today. I, I hated me. It's not what it was cracked up to be. Life should be better than this. And I, I, if I could tell you of anything else, there's, there's going to be times that life just needs to You want it to line up with how we are. God, please, I want to be happy. God tells us about Solomon. He had everything a person could possibly want. He was richer than Donald Trump. He was the richest guy ever, and he was the wisest guy ever. And it tells us that he gave himself whatever he wanted. If he wanted it, he could get it, and he gave it to himself. And he still said when it was all done, it was meaningless. Here's the clue to why things become meaningless. He said, everything I was doing was under the sun. Now, if I was doing another message, I would pronounce sun, S-O-N, under the sun. We could do something on that. But he's talking about just all the physical stuff, all the things, all the desires, what my eye, all of that stuff is under the sun. 
You see, most of us just try to get through life and get satisfied. Just, God, I just want to be happy. I want to have it all. I, I, you know, I just, I want to do more than survive. It doesn't really happen because we all get focused on stuff if we're not careful. Stuff that's under the sun. He says it became oppressive to me, chasing after the wind. If you're like me, I'm going to give you three things that you've probably said, and then I'm going to give you four things that you can that'll help you today, and we'll move through them quickly. But if you're taking notes, you've, you've probably said this, I have. Number one is I'm frustrated. Frustration many times shows us ugly head in the form of anger. Maybe you found yourself saying, I don't even know why I'm so mad. You just get so frustrated. I'm just, ah. Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 4 says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Have you ever been frustrated? Here's number two. I hear this all the time, and I guess I'm guilty of it myself. I'm tired. I'm tired. Ever notice that when you go around asking people, how's it going? The response you get. Most generally, you don't get, I'm good, and you? You get, I'm tired. Business Week did a study and surveyed the number one response to the question, how are you doing? The number one response was, I'm tired. They declared us the decade of the T, stands for tired. We are overworked, we're frustrated, and we're tired. And when we're frustrated and tired and overworked, that's why there's these outbursts of, uh, because we don't have the answer. Out of the same chapter, Ecclesiastes 1, 5 through 8, it says, The sun also rises and it goes down, hastens to the place where it arose. The wind goes toward the south, turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. So I want to put that in today's lingo, because you read that, and you're like, what in the world? This is what it says. You go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> Sunday we go to church, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You, you give me a problem today. I help you. Okay, what I'm telling you is it just, it just repeats. It's just a cycle. Time to make the donuts. It's, we just go through the same thing over and over again. You can relate to I'm tired. We've all been there. Number three, and this is a biggie, I'm unfulfilled. What I thought was going to fulfill me didn't. Ecclesiastes, again, out of chapter 1, 8 and 9. All things full of labor, men cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, the ear heard, or ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. You don't want to repeat what you've already had, and how do I get off this hamster wheel? I mean, it's just like I, I get out there, you know, it's just, how do, I, how do I change the course? Maybe you're thinking this. You know, this, this cycle, maybe it's the job, the trip, the kids, the stuff, the things. All that stuff you thought would do the trick. It didn't. I want to have something to help you today. I want to give you something that will change your life. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 4. And I want to just set the stage. This guy wrote, uh, and he was the very opposite of Solomon. He didn't have anything. And if you're looking for a life that didn't seem to work out well, it was this dude, Paul. 
Every place he went, he was beaten, he was thrown in jail, he was stoned. I mean, not that kind, the real kind. Rocks, you know, painful, okay? He was whipped. 39 lashes that nearly killed Jesus. Paul gets it five times. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. In all that trial, he said this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I want you to look at me. Wouldn't it be great if we were able to say this? Regardless of what the stock stock market says, do not lose heart. Regardless of what my kids do, do not lose heart. Regardless of what I need or don't need, do not lose heart. Regardless of what people respond, do not lose heart. Regardless how they act or don't act, do not lose heart. Regardless of your job, do not lose heart. Regardless of how your boss treats you, do not lose heart. Regardless of the weather, do not lose heart. You can still say, it doesn't mess me up. Never lose heart. Wouldn't that rock? I'm mowing my yard, getting ready for, you know, just to keep my yard nice. So we're having that bachelorette party on last Saturday. And my mower decides to get rid of a belt. I came in, I said, the mower's broken, the belt. And my wife was like, no. And before I can agree with that, she said, don't you worry about it. It's just a hiccup. Okay. You know what she's saying? That's not going to mess me up. Do not lose heart. God is bigger than a mower belt. Paul says this, though outwardly we were wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. This is Paul. Can I just say for a second, this dude doesn't have light and momentary troubles. I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's getting beat everywhere he goes. He's, you know, I mean, this, he's, this isn't like what we have today. There was nothing light or momentary about his troubles. He felt that way. I'm thinking, how could I have that? In the midst of all of that garbage, he's saying, I'm not losing heart. How can I have that? It says, for us, an eternal glory. There's the word eternal. It outweighs them all. Now, I want you to think of this like a scale. This is the spiritual truth. This is what he's teaching us. And this is what I want you to grab. The secret to solving your problems isn't to solve your problems. The secret to have something in your life bigger than your problems. Okay? Bigger than your problems. He's saying he's had trouble just like everybody else. But the difference is he's got something that outweighs it. It's bigger than that. If you want to solve your problems, check it out. Stop trying. Instead of trying to fix it all and solve it all, get something in life that's bigger than what you're going through. It'll distract you from that and it'll get you focused on what God wants you to focus on. He says, since that's true, the secret of having something bigger, something eternal in our sight. We need to look at, because what you're going through, my mower belt is temporary. The world is not in balance of my mower belt. He says, we fix our eyes on what is not what on is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Second Corinthians four, sixteen and eighteen. Therefore we do not lose heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, Skippy, listen up. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us as far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal see what is seen everybody say temporary 
What is unseen, say eternal. What if I gave you something today that could change your life? If I was to give you this nugget that would change your life, change your year, one thought that could make a difference, something that would make you shift into your uh, into your new dimension or, or, or give you that breakthrough you've been hearing about and believing for instead of focusing on everything under the sun. You see, and I'm telling you, this has got to be for everybody instead of what I'm wanting this. Oh, God, I need this. I I need this and that and whatever it is. Let's focus on something eternal, something not just temporary. If we would do that, here's the difference. It would outweigh every problem you faced. If you began to say, God, what can I learn? What's eternal? What can I do with this? Instead of, oh, oh, Lord, what will happen? What will happen if my mower belt doesn't get fixed? The grass still grows. I have to find out what a billy goat costs. <clears throat> you know, my goal for you today is, you know, I love to live life on purpose, but I never want you to lose heart. So I want to help you with that. I want to keep you more eternally focused and temporarily focused. I'm going to give you four things that you can walk out the door today, change your life. Here's number one. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. It's one of the greatest ways to be more eternally minded than temporary minded. I can pray for my mower. But I know that sounds like, why am I going on? I'm just telling you that just happened. So you know what? God will supply my mower belt. But I can pray about things that are more important than a temporary mower belt. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, When you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You see, we, we tell God about all the temporary things, all about the earth stuff. Prayer is a process where heaven becomes your reality. That's what prayer is. When we pray, it actually, you're making heaven become a reality to you. Prayer is not being God's informant. It's not like you're like, hey, God, let me tell you how the, did you hear this, God? I just want to inform you on how you should make this happen, God. He knows what he's doing and he knows what's going on. See, prayer is that place where you can dump stuff. You can just tell him, what's this, God, this makes me mad. I don't need this. But God, help me get my focus off of that temporary thing. Get my focus on something eternal. You ever notice David's attitude? I never really noticed this. But you start looking at what David wrote in the Psalms. Watch his attitude change. When he starts writing, he's like, you know, God beat up my enemies. You know, ripped their arm off and hit them with the wet end. I don't know, you know, just... He doesn't say that. I'm just saying he starts out all mad. He's all like, God, oh, you know, zap those guys. Do something. By the end of the mess or the end of the psalm, he's like, and then, Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth. You know, I mean, he just it changed. What happened is this in the beginning to the end. He got his priorities changed. You see, that's what prayer does. You get in there, you can be all messed up. You can be all complicated. But prayer is the place where you filter all that stuff out. Focus on eternal. Worship does that for us. It's the vehicle to the throne room. Say amen to that. Listen to this. Now, when we get started, our world is big. When church starts, it's just like, okay, God, what are we doing for lunch? Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got stuff. Okay, when we get home, we're going to do this. Yep, mm-hmm, got to get the grill fired up. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all right. Our world is big and our God is small. But by the time worship is over, our God is big and our world is small. 
because things begin to shift. I'm challenging TLC to a new level of prayer. Not just accepting the reality of circumstances, but taking God's word and putting our trust in a big God. Our reality is this. If God said it, I believe it. I've, you know, there's a one saying and people say, well, if God settles it or said it, that settles it whether I believe it or not. Let me just tell you, if he said it, it's done. There is no argument. Make prayer your priority so you can become more eternally minded, not temporarily focused on that. Number two is serve. Serving is one of the greatest ways that you can be eternally minded, doing something in your life besides paying bills and surviving. When you serve, you're making a significant contribution. Let me just give a shout out to the heroes at TLC today, the parking attendants, the greeters, the ushers, the nursery workers, the children's workers, the media team, the cafe team, the cleanup crew, the drama team, the praise team, the grow track team, everybody that do does everything here. Let's just can we not give them just a big God bless you. Those are the heroes. And they're serving. Those are the people that work one and worship one. They'll come They're at church all morning. They'll come to two services so that they can be in one and work another. That's ideally what we like. And if you'd ask them which one they liked better, I can guarantee you most of them would say, I like the one where I served. Because when they serve, their mind starts getting eternally minded. They start focusing on, God, this, I'm helping someone make that Jesus connection. You see, they intersected eternity and temporary, and they found that place of balance, the place of worth doing, the place of investment. John 6, 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. I don't want people to serve at TLC because they think, you know what? We just, they really need us. Now listen to me. If we don't have you, the church will fall apart. That's what some people, I don't want you to think that. If you haven't noticed, it's running pretty good without many of you. But it would run a lot better with you. We do, I mean, it'd be great to have you, but what I'm saying is God will supply. We got to get our minds on this. Because sometimes we just keep going through that wheel again because we don't get our investment in there. We don't serve, we don't pray. Here's a fact, people who serve are in the counseling office a whole lot less. They're not taken over by their own issues. You know why? Because now they're becoming eternally minded. That scale's tipping, and they start saying, you know, my issue's not too big. God can take care of that. God, I can do this. I'm doing my father's business. It outweighs the issues they're facing. And then God begins, and he's already doing it, working on the other issues. You see, the easiest way for me to pastor is to get you involved with something that matters. That's why we do small groups. That's why we're excited for... Steve to start a drama team because it pulls people where they can go. Yes, I, I have a venue. I have a I have a form where I can I can minister. The church I pastored before I had a I had a friend that was on my board, but what he did before was he was a drug dealer. And he I remember he never thought that he could ever find himself in church. And he said one time he said that he was allowed to be in church and i told him that you know we were the ones that were honored and i could see him as a leader and he you know he basically is like i can't i could never see myself doing this and i heard uh, another almost very similar story the guy's like I, I can't picture myself because all i all he knew before 
was what he did on the side was sell drugs. That's what he knew. And I said, man, you got all kinds of skill. He said, I, I don't see it. I said, yeah. You have marketing and sales experience. I'm just saying. You knew how to work with people. You knew how to handle money. You knew how to store and keep inventory. Now, this sounds like, Brett, you're a nut. I'm telling you, what the enemy meant for harm, God's going to turn it and make it for good. Say amen to that. Because there's people out there that all they think, they've been serving the devil too long. And God has got bigger plans. He can get them more eternally minded. You've got to get something bigger than your mess. Something that outweighs it. The enemy will come and try to get you back, but the problem is he'll face you have something bigger in your life than what you had before that was keeping you held down. Here's number three, give. Give is one of the greatest ways to keep your eyes in sights that's on eternity and not on temporary. Most of us use our stuff for everyday things. If we give, we, you know, we get whatever. What if God was saying, I want, I'm giving you, I'm blessing you so you can use some of your stuff to make a difference in eternity? You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Did you hear that? I mean, you can start saying, God, what could I do? How could I make a difference? I told a story of a man who's very stingy, wouldn't give his wife any money. And he had a big trunk he kept in the attic. If she ever begged him enough for money, he would give her just a few dollars out of that trunk. And he told her, he said, when I die, you're not getting the money. He said, I'm, I'm taking it with me. Well, he died. She got back from the funeral, man. She ran upstairs. Trunk was still up in the attic. Still full of money. She said, I knew he should have put it in the basement. You can't take it with you. But God, what could I do? What do I have that could be used eternally? Psalm 112.9 says this. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The NLT says they have influence and honor. When I say give, I'm not talking about the tithe. Tithe is just returning. Tithe isn't giving. That's just bringing back what's already God's. It's not ours. If you, if you're, I'm just talking about stuff. What could you do to leverage God's kingdom with what God has given you? With your talents, with your, with your stuff, so to speak. What could I do with my house? Could I use it for a small group? Could I host a small group? Doesn't mean you have to lead it, but could they use your house? How about my car? Could I pick up some people if they needed a ride? If you got a swimming pool, could I have a youth event or, uh, you know, whatever? I don't know. Um, how about my kids, my energy, my time? What could I do? What could I be to be generous in God's kingdom? Now, I'm, we're, we're going to have this in about a week or so. Maybe by next week, if we can get them done, I'm going to have cards that will be out on the foyer that you can, you can take, and they just look like a business card, and it says a little something extra just to show you God's love, and it has our church and times on the back. It has nothing else on it, but what, it, what I want you to do with it is I want you to be generous with it. When you're out and if God says, I, need you to, I want you to buy the person's Starbucks behind you, then you do that and ask the, the person, hey, would you hand them this card? I'm going to take care of whatever they got. And then they're going to give them, hey, this was already taken care of. They wanted me to give you this card. And it's just going, all it is is just going to say, you know, basically God loves you. We wanted to do something extra. You're not, you're not even going to talk to them. 
You know what I'm saying? Or it could be, I'm going to take care of their meal if you're Bob Evans and tell the waitress or the waiter, hey, just let them know it's taken care of. Put this card with it. Bro, what are you doing that? I'm telling you, we need to get more eternally minded. We need to say, you know what, God, this isn't about me. It's never been about me. Let's do what you want me to do. Live generous lives. Make a difference. Be kind. Sow into people. I tried to give somebody a cart not long ago from Aldi, and they were almost fighting me for it. No, 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 no. Like, it's just a quarter. Just take the cart. We're going to pray. We're going to serve. We're going to give. And here's number four, and I've got to end this. We're going to share Christ. We really believe that heaven and hell are a reality. We've got to step it up and lead as many people to Jesus as we can. Because the days ahead, they need Jesus. If you were here Wednesday, I'm telling you, if anything else, you could get from JC that urgency that the Lord's put. We need to get Jesus out there. Our family, our friends, our neighbors. Have we told them? I've been on planes where I'm heading somewhere and the plane flight hasn't been so good. People thought, oh my gosh, this is it. We're going to die. We're going to die. I had to tell one guy, I said, we're not going to die. He's like, how can you tell me that? And I said, because God has told me what I got to do and it's not dying on this plane. So we're not going to die. This plane is not going to go down. Are you sure? I'm sure. Okay. And then I talked to him and talked to him about the Lord. And then when the plane level, everything, he won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> you know, there's some people that just will say stuff like, you know what? I don't like Christians. They are, you know, they're hypocrites or this. I don't like Christians that are like that either. I don't even you call them that. I, I mean, I love Christians. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying people that are not really following the word and that are just being very, very, very judgmental. And we all need Christ. We all need grace. We all need mercy. And I'm not saying anything goes. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying live the life so they can see it. Now, you have a mission. I want you to, to look at those four things. Say, I can do that. You can do it. You can do it. You can start being, Lord, help me be eternally minded. There's people around your life that just need a little hope. Maybe you're here this morning. You're saying, Brett, that's me. I need my problems to get smaller. I need something in my life to be bigger than my problems. I need to be more focused on eternal than temporary. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes, please.